if I told you that I could change your life forever? We need to be able to defend ourselves. You have his blood. Must be the key to finding his pages. You can't win this game. They're setting up for you to play. You gonna help us or not? For us, it's a rap race to the finish. And it's winner takes all. Hello, welcome once again to A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast. A podcast that discusses, dissects, reviews each episode of the HBO series Lovecraft Country, based off the book, saying it with the same title. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. And in the state, uh, let me rephrase, in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Doing fairly well. You sound so much better uh, with with your new setup. I'm not sure what it is, but it's good. Oh, it's good. good. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Just peachy. Excellent. Uh, so for uh, folks who are new to the podcast, uh, you can actually find us wherever podcasts are found under Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast. Or you can search for Dark Discussions because we're also under that feed. Uh, basically, uh, our website is darkdiscussions.com. This is a podcast that's part of the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. Um, we have a Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. We have an email, darkdiscussions at aol.com, or just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact, and you can fill out the form, and it'll do the email in for you. And uh, we have a Twitter, Dark Discussion one and that's pretty much the formalities. Uh, for uh, folks who are curious, we're recording this on September 8th. 2020, and uh, we hopefully usually get them out. Uh, the episode's out on Wednesday, so um, that would be September 9th if everything goes correctly. Um, that's pretty much uh, the house cleaning. Um, before we get into the episode, any uh, Lovecraft stuff anybody wanted to bring up? Anything? General Lovecraft stuff? Anything? Hasn't been much, but. All right, fair enough. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll start uh, discussion. Uh, this episode was called A History of Violence, uh, written again by Misha Green, who is the showrunner, um, and the story is by uh, someone named Wes Taylor. Um, the episode is uh, directed by a new director this time, uh, Victoria Mahoney. Um, she has done some films as well as a lot of TV uh, as well, um, various things uh, she's done, not just direct, but uh, um, various other things. For example, she did work on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. She was not the director, um, but she's done various things. Um, so she's pretty new to pretty much all of us. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for the information. There is no uh, ratings yet, how many people, viewers or anything like that. Uh, for some reason, that's this is the first time I think that's happened. 
Um, I'm not sure if that is intentional that HBO didn't mm-hmm. want to release it or not, but uh, we'll, we'll find out next week, hopefully. Uh, so uh, I guess we can get into uh, – oh, we're going to spoil this completely because, again, most people who listen to this are here to – uh, hear reviews and critiques and uh, different thoughts since uh, otherwise would would you be watching or listening to this podcast? Uh, so uh, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, what was your thoughts on uh, a history of violence? No relation to David Cronenberg's film. Yeah, well, David Cronenberg's film is much better. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an okay episode. It was, um, I would say I think I found it more solid than the previous two and that I didn't have any particular like outstanding issues with it. Um, it is definitely, you know, def- uh, has its foot in the uh, more the, the, the science fiction adventure genre than it does in the, uh, the horror genre. Uh, I think that's very intentional. Uh, they, they name drop uh, journey to the center of the earth a couple of times. Um, and I kind of liked it. I don't think I would want the entire series to be that. Uh, you know, it's sort of a low-rent Indiana Jones. Uh, there was not really... Um, the metaphors were kind of put on the back burner because there wasn't technically... There wasn't really a monster of the week, right? They weren't haunted by something or attacked by something. Um there were certainly overlays of dealing with the issues with the Braithwaite family, which of course parallels issues with, uh, with colonialism and things like that. That's certainly there. And there are other things that came up as well. Uh, but I kind of liked that. And I also liked, um, uh, that they gave a little bit more of a chance for Ruby. I'm curious to see where they're going to be going with that character. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a solid episode. It's not going to be my favorite of the season, which is still so far the premiere. Uh, but they did move the ball forward a bit, and um, I, I did appreciate them bringing the other characters into the show a little bit more. All right, very good. Uh, let's go with you, Kevin. Uh, I had a couple nitpicks with this episode. Um, and it was decent. Uh, put together I thought it was an interesting adventure uh, like I, th- I think you know Mike mentioned uh, kind of an Indiana Jones-esque uh, it's like Indiana Jones mixed with some sci-fi fantasy type thing it's uh, it reminded me a little bit of the part you know might might be a little bit of uh, the last crusade uh, especially you know crossing the gulf uh, but other than that, it was, there were some nice moments to it. Like I said, I, I did a couple nitpicks. I have a couple nitpicks, but we'll get to those later. But overall, it was a, it, it was an interesting episode. All right. Very good. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I mentioned this, uh, in our podcast two episodes ago, and I'm going to just mention it this once unless anybody wants to bring it up later since I don't want to beat people in the head but uh, this is uh, magical realism and dark fantasy and not horror unfortunately um, though Dick Kevin did mention something to me through text which was was a fair point which is Lovecraft is also uh, dark fantasy and not just horror some of his, his more obscure stories uh, go into the fantasy element so that's a fair point point. Um, 
though, again, uh, you know, my main interest was that I thought this was going to be very, very uh, horrific television series. And so far, um, there's been some horrific things that have happened, like any horror series, but but it it's definitely hasn't been uh, scary as, as I had hoped, though, again, uh, maybe uh, I am desensitized due to uh, reviewing horror films for some of our other podcasts that we do. Um, yeah, generally, uh, the episode was, was okay. I um, probably agree with Mike. The first episode is still still the best episode. Uh, this one, um, again, I, I didn't really enjoy that much. But again, I'm, I'm waiting for horror storylines rather than adventure or fantasy storylines. So it just may not uh, be what I was expecting um, rather than it not being uh, good. So it depends on um, your perspective, I guess, because uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I, I have to say that the, the show definitely feels more sci-fi network than HBO quality based off of uh, some of these episodes, which isn't a bad thing, uh, but uh, I, was, I was definitely expecting a show that would have uh, challenged uh, Westworld and, and maybe even Game of Thrones or Sopranos or whatnot as as a a really really a memorable series and and I'm thinking that maybe in 20 years or, or 40 years from now this series if it's remembered will be remembered um, cheesily similar to Wonder Woman Charlie's Angels or the Hulk Incredible Hulk are now the question is will it be fondly remembered cheese or or not. Uh, but again, that's just, uh, my, my opinion. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was all right. Entertainment, I guess, uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah. I thought this episode was, um, in the scheme of things solid. It was probably my number two episode after the first one. First one's still the best. Um, it definitely had that adventure feel to it. Um, like Mike, I'm glad they expanded on some of the other characters in this episode, it's and I was also glad that it was not the storyline forward. Um, and like you, Phil, I think that you know how this will be remembered in 40 years. You know, I think this will be more of a forgotten show than it'll be remembered unless there's a huge change in tempo and it gets a lot better. Um, but I generally like the show, I don't dislike it, but I don't think it's a great show. And I would say you're right, the quality is more sci-fi channel than what I expect from HBO. So with a penis. <laughs> yes. Well with both actually, but yeah. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. We'll get into uh that uh story point uh as we get uh into the episode. Uh so all right, so um th- it seems like most of us are on the on the same page generally that that uh it was solid enough uh maybe the second best episode um, and whatnot. Um, all right. So, uh, where do we want to start? Um, I, I guess the main thing is, well, there, there's a lot of interesting points, but, but one main thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, it brings in, uh, the father now as, uh, one of the, the leads. So uh, he's, he's basically now, um, replaced the, the George character, at least in this episode he did. And, not as strong as the George character because he he was kind of the the um, the glue 
but but at least he, he fills in the void that that um, was missing, I guess, in the last episode um, where they they bring the third lead, I guess, into the story. Um, what, what's your guys' thoughts of that? Do you, do you think that that was a good thing? I, I, I for me, I, I felt that was good. Again, the, the actors is good in his role. Um, though, though, um, the characters isn't as good of a character as, as the George character had been before his untimely death. Anyone want to comment? I agree. I agree. He's doing, he's now that he's taking a little more limelight, I think he's, he's doing really good. Um, and I like him as an actor, so I'm just, you know, hoping we get a lot more about him. Yeah. I mean, his, his, his act, he is a good actor. Uh, I'm sure I've seen him in other things. I, I don't have IMDb up in front of me right now, but I was I I like that his I mean rewind start over his character is not somebody I would like to meet. However, his character is very convincing. In other words, it's believable. I I don't see it. I don't really see it as much as acting. Um, that that's kind of my take on him. I like. He's he's an interesting character to watch, and that's just it. It's we something's pro, something's going to happen with him, or he's just a character to watch. And uh, that's that's the I've, I've you know when, when we've interviewed uh, actors or actresses on this show, uh, or I should say our spinoff podcast, or when I've guest host on uh, Leo Pond's the Dorkening show and interviewed actors and actresses. Uh, the thing that you just said, Kevin, about this, this performance is probably the, the greatest compliment you could ever give, uh, an actor or an actress because, uh, stating that the character was real. Right. And you know, that's, that's, that's really good. Uh, compliment. And, and I would agree. Uh, yeah. I, I do have to wonder, like, what would what would have happened with his career? Um, now he he was already a very popular character on uh, on uh, sorry on the wire, um, very critically acclaimed, but it wasn't something that knocked doors down in terms of ratings. Um, and he also had a part in, as Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire, <clears throat> but his biggest role arguably was supposed to be the villain in um, in Solo, right? The Star Wars, film. and he. As far as I know, he filmed all of his scenes, and then when they they switched up the directors after having shot eighty percent of the film, um, he was unavailable, and they basically recast his part. So I'd be really curious what would have happened if he'd gotten you know that Star Wars level of exposure. A solo um, cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we ever see it. Um, yeah, I think there's two things. Well, there's three things I would say about the character, and one really does tie into the whole George issue is that we haven't gotten a lot about this character. We got a lot of development of George in those first two episodes. He was very much a driver of events where, uh, the father's just kind of, uh, what's the father's name again? Montrose. Montrose is Montrose is just kind of feeling like he's along for the ride. Um, and his main purpose at this point seems to be calling his son boy. <laughs> Um, and, and butting heads with him. Now, they already established that, that there were relationship issues with the father and the son, so I don't have a problem with it. But it's going to make it a little harder since um, Tick is sort of the, the central character of the series, or at least one of them. 
um, when he's butting heads with the, the lead, it's going to put a little bit of an obstacle to the audience to really kind of latching onto him. And he's not quite getting the same development time as a result. Um, but then there's two things that happen in this episode. One, they call back, I think the character's name is Sammy uh, from the very first episode, who's the bar owner uh, who gets caught in the back alleyway getting a blowjob from another dude. Um, and the uh, bouncer in the bar has mentioned the amount of time that Montrose has been spending with Sammy and alludes to the, that maybe there's more there than meets the eye. Uh, so I'm curious. Cause I know uh, Mike, we also, if I could interject just for a second. Um, yes. I, I know uh, Kevin uh, mentioned this to me uh, back when that episode aired, that that actually wasn't in the book that his, his sexuality, I guess. So um, it was interesting. They added that. But right, and, and, and it felt out of, yeah, it felt out of place at the time. But if that was setting this up as a storyline, uh, then it doesn't seem out of place anymore. Um, you know, and we'll see what what if anything comes of that because again, it could have just been uh, been uh, Tree. Uh, I think it was yeah, it was his name was Tree because uh, most people have two legs. He has Tree. Um, right. Tree would Tree, tree, tree oh, could have right. just been talking shit. Um, or, you know, or they're going to do something more with that. And it wouldn't surprise me. We'll see. Um, and Michael K. Williams, the, his character of uh, Omar and the Wire was homosexual. So it's something that he's known for playing in the past and something he's comfortable playing. Um, although I don't know if I don't honestly know if he's gay or not. And of course, this was also the wire. This was 15 years ago. So it was more unusual, especially unusual for um a guy playing a black, a gay black gangster, uh, you know, would have been unusual for the time. So he's comfortable playing those roles. So maybe that has something to do with it. Or again, maybe nothing comes of it. And then of course there's the final, final, final thing that happens in the episode, which may completely change who this character is and how we perceive him. Uh, and it really just depends on how they follow up with it mm-hmm. next week, because it's not like it's something that I think can be easily, um, Hidden, I'm sure it'll be nobody. I don't think they're going to walk in there and find him with a knife in his hand um, or anything like that. But it will be curious to see how they follow up the storyline because the character is supposed to be there and is not there anymore. So actually, I'm um, looking at Michael K. Williams now, and there is rumors that he's gay, but uh, he has never stated such a thing. Um, and so forth. Yeah, so, so it is curious, uh, but he's never been married or anything like, of that nature. Um, I don't know what any of that means, but um, just an interesting thing based off of uh, uh, the roles that he's played. Uh, but And again, even though there has been changes uh, with the sexuality of some of the characters in the book compared to the show, uh, Game of Thrones, for example, uh, that has kind of happened too, uh, where they had characters that possibly could have been gay in the books, but were not. No one knew. And um, they played it up um, in Game of Thrones. Uh, so so they, these things do happen, and uh, not, nothing of, of uh, new, I guess, is, is the term, thing. So just a, a point I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, so his character is becoming, uh, M- Michael K. Williams' character, Montrose, is becoming very much... Uh, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's going to become a villain or not. Um, based off of what he did at the end of this this episode, we'll discuss later. Some people may think that I saw some buzz on the internet from people like Amy Rain that may think that. Um, then again, and, and then you know, based off of some of the things he said earlier with George and how he may not really be the father and all this other stuff. I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking they may be setting him up to be an antagonist. But anyone think I'm right here? Oh, I've well, kind of been feeling that way. Well, I have the the one thing like at the end. It, at the end, at first, it surprised me. I wasn't expecting it, but upon retrofle- uh, retroflection, I, I I wasn't surprised uh, because of the what he did at the beginning. You know, he burnt the. I, well, I mean, it's a bit at the beginning, so it doesn't. It, it's okay if I talk about this now. Is that he broke yeah. the book. He he had the book of the the, the logic or the the society's uh, guidelines and rules. You know, he had he had the book that George gave to him, and he said, you know, I want you to promise to take care of Atticus and everybody. And so the first thing he did was he burnt that one of the first one of the things he did was he burnt that book. And so, after reading it. Let's be clear. (laughs) Well, or at least after reading some of it. Yeah, he had to have gotten some of it. I mean, yeah, he read. He probably read some of it, but well, obviously he read some of it because he used it later. But I mean, it's almost like he read it, but he doesn't want Atticus or anybody else to get involved with it. And and that can be one of of that. Well, that could be for a couple of reasons, though, right? Is he trying to protect his son? Um, is he trying to steer, you know, and steer clear of further trouble? Um, is he seeking the power for himself? Is he working for them? I, I mean, there's all sorts of questions that I, that I could have. Well, in terms I, mean, of- I mean, it, I, I was thinking, is he working? I was thinking, is he trying to get power for himself? But if he wanted power for himself, then, you know, he would need to, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry, but he would need to figure out how to tra- uh, translate uh, on the scroll because the only one who understood what the, that person was saying was, was Atticus. No one else could understand what he slash she was saying. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And, and no, no worries about getting ahead because uh, again, we're, we're not going scene by scene necessarily uh, because if people just want to watch a, the movie they can just watch scene by scene where we're, we're you know dissecting and and analyzing so uh, those, those are well, fair points Kevin. I, I don't want to just jump around you know haphazardly i, I kind of want some order to it and yeah that's fair I, I just wanted to let you know that uh, oh, yeah. uh you, you were you were you were not out of line young man oh very good <laughs> yeah I, I i just saying it's going to be interesting well, to see young. where they go Right. Um, uh, I always caution people, (laughs) nobody ever listens, that you kind of have to take the story as it unfolds. And when you start, and I'm not saying anyone here is doing that, but when people start getting invested in a certain outcome to a story, then they start getting disappointed when that story outcome is not the one that they really wanted. Yeah, right. Right. We saw that that with Game of Thrones and and various other programs where if you love the certain character and they turned out to be something different they people flipped out and stuff but 
Good right, point. and people, people, people ignore everything that's there. And so, for example, like when he burns the book, he's very agitated, right? Um, at least as I recall, I didn't get a chance to watch the episode a second time this week. But he feels agitated to me, as I remembered it. Um, he, was, he was going through a lot. You can tell as he was burning it, there were a lot of memories going through his head. You know, hearing about a, a young boy who, I mean, you hear the voice of a young boy about to get whooped by his dad. Now, I don't know if that's him about to whoop Atticus or his dad about to whoop him because, remember, in episode two, you know, where he talked about, you know, he used to hold up a sign welcoming the, the Negro Baseball League. Yep. And his father found out, he said, you know, he beat the black off of my butt. You know, and um, so I don't know if that's what he's thinking or what. So, I mean, but he's going and also he's obviously been drinking, you know. he. Yeah, I, I think he does have uh, some issues, both uh, um, depression, stress, as well as um, possibly um, substance abuse uh, or in this case, uh, booze. Uh, PTSD but- from getting beat by his dad. Yeah, yeah, that was another good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he he's definitely what we would call a damaged person for sure. Yeah. And and let's remember, we don't actually know uh, what happened to him while he was being uh, held in captivity, right? He was held yeah. for enough time for him to be forced to write a letter to his son. The letter to be sent in the in 1955 sent down to Florida his son to walk away from his job, get a bus ride to Chicago, spend a couple of days in Chicago, take a trip all the way over to Massachusetts. You know, by, by my math, that's, you're looking at least at, at a week minimum, right? Oh, more than a week. Right. So he, he was there for, for probably several. Um, so yeah, think about the time it takes to dig a tunnel. Oh, uh, right. And there's that, right. Completely yeah. about the digging of the yeah. tunnel. By hand, um, uh, yeah. Unless he, unless he's Bugs Bunny, and then he gets special dif- dispensation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't. Again, there's, I could see all sorts of things coming from this, and I am not beholden to any of them. I'm open to hear seeing what story they want to tell with him, but it explains why they have not done a lot with the character because they're trying to keep. I suspect they're trying to keep this character close to the vest for now. Um, I don't know how long they can play that, right? Because right now he's, like I said, mostly an adversarial character, or feels like it. He's an impediment more than, and I mean, he's working a bit as a plot device, but otherwise he's there to be antagonistic towards his son. Yep. Yeah, next week we're halfway through, right? Next week is halfway through, which is also, by the way, you know, another caution is that, you know, you can't judge a story. Well, sometimes when you get only 40% of the way through, because otherwise, you know, it was the greatest book that Stephen King ever wrote. And then got to the end. Um, so, yeah, we will see where it's going. And I'm very curious to see where it's going. Um, and, and it may be like, for example, Westworld, um, the first season, it was really that reveal. And I think it was episode six or seven that that was a big thing for that series. And we were kind of having issues with it, but we were missing crucial information. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes shows just need that right episode for everything to click into place. Um, 
they did mention something. I don't know if anybody else caught it that I had mentioned last week. Uh, oh, yes. I, I, I caught one, and I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but when Tree is talking to Letitia, yeah. uh, Letitia, it appears, mm-hmm. lied and isn't a virgin. Right. That that I that I caught. Yeah. Maybe. Or she Maybe. was fucking... No, that well, wasn't the one I was thinking of, but that was definitely an issue because we don't know... Well, she was lied. The question is, who did she lie to? Right. Was she lying to Tree to, to, to throw him off? Well, I thought she was saying to Tree that they both did have have sex when they were, you know, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's yeah, saying I, that. She's but saying that, she, yeah. Right. But, didn't, but Tree didn't uh, contradict her. He said, no, we never Well, it did. might not be actual sex that they had. It could have been messing around. I, well, the word she used. Know a lot of ways. Well, I mean, the, the word, I, you know, it, I can't use those words. I don't like to use yeah. those words, but... I mean, the word she used was pretty... The F word, right? She said the F word. She said we effed. She's right. But, but she's trying, but she's saying that while he's being, when he's kind of coming on to her, so did she say that? Because she's lying one of two ways. She either lied to, um, to, to Tick the week before, actually, like the or, day before. Or, or it was a missed, missed in the screenplay and they didn't notice it. It could have been, because they managed to... Or he missed. And thought he was doing it. That or, or, or it was a thing that she said to embarrass him, to get him to leave her alone, right? Because he doesn't remember her. That's right. the point. Yep. That's the right, point right. of the comment. So she could be completely full of shit. And it's just a weird thing to throw out there. And it's it doesn't feel like good writing at that moment because it confuses any Because if the audience is paying attention, it confuses them. It's just one more thing not to trust yeah. her about, right? Because right. I mean, already got a bit of a reputation for lying. Right. Sure. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because, you, you know, I mean, it was so big of a plot point last episode that she claimed she was a virgin and she did bleed, right? Or at right, least that's what, exactly. What, yeah. what we're assuming. Right. I mean, she claimed that it was she was on her period, but then later she mentions that it was the first time, meaning her hymen broke. But then here she was so lackadaisical and 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 it just seemed i don't know it, it was it was well and her actions in the other episode made it seem like it wasn't lackadaisical like this was definitely her first time the way she acted right right so is she but she's a good liar either way right yeah this exactly is a, this is a character that that knows how to lie um and and we as an audience uh, will have to decipher that um, but we could talk a little more about that in a little bit, but Mike, you said there was another thing. What, what was the other thing? Cause I don't think either any of us are going to get, yeah, they mentioned time travel. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, which I had alluded to before and I'm going to be really <laughs> disappointed if the show is that predictable. Um, well, I, if I interject too, Mike is not only do they show time travel, but they show, uh, like a, oh. Uh, a worm warp or whatever those things are called because worm they're warp? in Boston. Supposedly, right. And then suddenly they're in Chicago. Right. In her house. That was the, that, that I was don't a, think it was a mirage. What's that? Kevin? That was the nitpick I had. I mean, how do you go from, you know, well, Boston this was, all the way back to Chicago using a series of tunnels? I, I'm sorry. It, I, 
had well, it right. Well, and obviously oh, there, would be, there would be a chasm like that under a museum in Boston just for the fact that Boston right. is right on the water. So obviously that, and that's the reason why I felt this was like magical realism fantasy rather than than horror. But again, it could go directly to what you're saying, Mike, which is all this is part of the the the, the worm. The wormhole, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Wormhole, time travel stuff. So keep on explaining what you're saying. Sorry to interject like that. Well, just because, again, there is that issue. And again, this is this is, uh, this is conjecture, but I'm pretty sure it's what it's going to be is that someone is going to go back in time and save George and Montrose from those white boys with a baseball bat. Um, as Because that's now the, the that was mentioned twice in the first three episodes or alluded to twice in the first three episodes. Um, and it's just a weird thing, the way they phrase it, because it's a mysterious person. And I never saw him again. That's that kind of thing. It's like they, they emphasize it just a little bit more than they needed to, to make sure you, if that story's stuck in your head, which means it's going to come back later. And you see that all the time in time travel stories, right? Where the person comes back, oh, it turns out you're you're your own grandpa, or whatever it is that... Um, that it ends up being the case. So I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, you know, clearly, again, you're dealing with Lovecraft uh, type stories. You're dealing with anything I think is at this point fair game is pulp. You think about everything that was referenced in that first scene uh, of the very first episode where you had uh, War of the Worlds, you had John Carter of Mars, um, or Princess of Mars, rather. You know, so it could be science fiction, it could be fantasy, it could be horror. Um, you know, so and I think that's something we can expect to, to see them bouncing around between. You know, the episode one and three were definitely more on the horror horror side. Uh, this episode was more on the the fantasy adventure side, and you got more the the culty uh, magical stuff, secret organization stuff in episode two. So I, I think this is a show that's going to avoid easy classification. Yeah, I would agree with that. And again, as I was mentioned earlier, with, speaking of Kevin, um, and I've, I've read about 90% of Lovecraft's work, um, it, it is true that, that he goes into um, – some some really dark fantasy science fiction stories as well. There, there's one story and it's a novella and I forget the name of it, um, but it's basically um, the the perspective of an alien creature in the land, the the city of the alien creature, and it really is mostly the it's just a descriptive story of the creature walking or sliding or whatever uh, through this fictional alien city from an alternate dimension. And this is a novella. So, you know, it's a, it's a longer story. And uh, if you buy his, his novels or, or his collections, uh, that one is always one of the stories that um, is, is not necessarily a high point. Cause I didn't really like the story, but uh, an important story in, um, in his uh, bibliography. Um, so, so yeah, that makes sense, Mike, that they're not going to follow a certain niche. And again, that makes this, this show a very much episodical, um, you know, you know, even though it's not monster of the week, it's 
I guess, monster slash adventure of the week. Each each episode is very different and begins new storylines and kind of wraps up a lot of storylines all in, in the same time. I feel well. It does it in a way that I that I tend to like, which is that. One episode doesn't bleed into the other. Each episode has its unique flavor and identity. Each episode tells a relatively complete story, beginning, middle, and end. But they are each a chapter in a much bigger story. None of the episodes so far have been completely self-contained, although it was getting very, very close last week, um, if it wasn't for that final scene. With, um, uh, was it Christina? With the white chick. Yeah, right. That was like the only thing that really tied it to the larger mythology. Uh, and then we brought the episode. And now, of course, that's tying into this episode, right? They have the magic house with the magic tunnel. We brought William back, too. Right. Which is yes. the other Brathwaite, her, her friend yes. or her partner or whatever. Yeah. So could be something. I'm kind of, I was happy to see him, but I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what what his angle is. Because, I mean, there's definitely a reason why, I mean, he obviously, he, you know, he chose uh, Rose, you know, picked her out. And essentially, I don't know if I would go as far as say seduce her, but pretty darn close. Um, you know, so. Well, he next, tries. Yeah. Well, he succeeds. Yeah, he succeeds. He succeeds. I just yeah, don't know if they seduce it or if it was. Well, I mean, it was definitely mutual, but um, yeah, I just kind of wonder what what he has in mind for her. Right, uh, because he he went to her; it wasn't the other way around, right? So he yeah. was pursuing her. Yeah. So he has something up his sleeve, whether it's if if it's malevolent or or not. He has something that he he wants out of this, right? Right. And the thing is, is that um, I'm kind of wondering, considering the fact that he's also blonde hair, blue eyed, like the, the Braithwaite uh, daughter. I'm just wondering if there's a real, there, you know, because he never comes out and says I'm related or I'm not related. So, I mean, for all he, I know, he could be um, a Braithwaite. He just doesn't say it. And he's kind of got his own little, if you will, angle of trying to take over. I really don't know. Right. Yeah, it, it is is curious. I mean, that whole part of the story where he approaches Ruby and then they uh, have intimacy uh, was definitely um, its own story from the main storyline as well as from Christine's storyline. But it also had both Ruby and William, I guess, planning, or, or if not planning, but getting together without their siblings or friends knowing, right? So William's doing it without Christine knowing, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Ruby, obviously, is doing it without Letitia knowing. So I... I don't know what that means, if that was bad or if that's just uh, well, Ruby doing her thing with with William without Letitia knowing. I mean, that was I mean, that wasn't planned on, on Ruby's part. It was just, hey, she just finished a gig and he 
came on to her and I mean, she wasn't planning on any of that. So, sure. so I mean, yeah. it's not like she's hiding it from Letitia because she never well, really. Well, I guess what I meant, I guess what I meant, Kevin, is based off of what happened in last episode, um, their relationship is strained. So, oh, okay. so whether or not she plans to uh, be mean to Letitia in another episode, I, I don't know. But the story set it up that that could happen. I guess. Right. So that's all I meant. But yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. She, she, uh, wasn't part of any quote unquote plan that William may have. And the question is, is William's plan malevolent or not? And does Christina even know? And did Christina, um, want this to happen too? Or is he do, doing this on his own motivation? So it it, it is uh, some unanswered things, I think. Well, I would suspect um, I'd have to again. I didn't rewatch it, um, and I have to look more closely at the timing. My my first instinct would be that Christina gets shut out of the house. Uh, take tries but fails to kill her, but she's not getting anywhere. Right, the, that she's not getting anywhere with her sister, with with with. Uh, um, Letty, she's not getting anywhere. We're going to get anywhere with Tick, and th so they're shut down. And they're clearly watching the, the, the local chapter or whatever is watching her. So it makes me wonder if, um, while Ruby's abandoned, you know, not well, not abandoned, isolated, right, not, not in contact with the others, if he is kind of using her as a way to get into the house, um. And she is the one, right, that has the the model. Or is that the mother? Oh, the... no, no, no. That, that's the aunt. That's, that's the George's aunt. Okay. George's but that is the thing he's after, as far as we can tell. Yeah, yeah, I would think so, yeah. So whether he's at it after it for Christina or after it for himself remains to be seen. But from what we've seen so far, he's your fairly typical loyal friend, servant, lover, brother, whatever the fuck he is to her. Um, so I'm guessing that he's just another way inside and that he's using Ruby to get into the house and try to get the model. Right. It makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah, he's a good-looking guy, uh, whether she's attractive or not. Um it doesn't matter. The point is, is he, he's like, like model Brad Pitt, you know, so he could get, he's the type of guy that obviously is the, the more attractive of the two, just for the fact that he's, you know, one of the 1% of the good looking people in the world. And Ruby's more, you know, normal person like the rest of us. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that she, you know, was attracted to him. And if he does have, a malevolent side to use her to get this model and it's a model of the solar system then or at least a, a way a into the house what's that a solar system yeah well that's true yeah they say a solar system yeah that was weird i i, I agree with you because well, they say oh it's it's not the solar system they said a solar system you're right that's that was interesting 
but yeah, yeah, he he could be using that her just to get in to somehow look around and see if he can find it because they they definitely want it. Obviously, it has some sort of magical or supernatural property, um, and it has something uh, that's important to not only the Brathwhites but probably other folks as as they discover its value, I guess. And somehow um, George's wife inherited it or, or picked it up somewhere somehow out of the, uh, we're assuming out of the house. Yeah, there is this scene of, of I think of her walking in somebody walking into the room from episode three and seeing it, and we never see what happens from there on. I think right. that was, and that was another thing I had. You know, I don't think we've mentioned um, from last week's episode is that they mentioned in last week's episode that there's a room that's locked and they don't have the key. And I think that is the room later on where they're upstairs and, the, and she's upstairs and the, the, just, the door just kind of opens on her on its own and we see the model there. Right. And it, it wasn't very well uh, highlighted, I think, as to that, that sort of significance that it was a locked room there was a mysterious thing that the door opened, and then that later on, right? Isn't that the room where the 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 two of the guys that broke into the house were were killed in? Yes. Yeah. Right. And yeah. You know, so if you don't, so by the time they break into the room, the model is gone. But again, I don't think they do a great job of underlining the fact that that might be a significant plot point. Right. They they actually. Um, I mean, there was a couple of minor issues like that throughout the 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 show I felt and, and that was like how Christina and Letitia meet at the very beginning. And she's just suddenly goes, Oh, it's you that had all the, that gave us the money to buy the house. Um, some, some plot points they, they could have developed a little better to make the audience not, I guess, roll their eyes, or maybe it was just me that rolled my eyes, but I felt no, was... there, there, there were, there are moments like that. And there's been moments like that throughout the entire series. And that's why like really my issue with the show uh, as a weak point, has generally been the writing. Effects are what they are. That that's often a a function of whatever budget they were given in the first place, or how that budget was allocated. Um, but I do think that a lot of the writing could be tighter in terms of the plotting. Absolutely. And I am curious what the. I know we've mentioned it before. What the. You know, I wonder like what is the background of these writers. Um, because if you don't have a, a background in genre fiction, um, that can sometimes work against you because it's you you may stumble into into easily identified tropes thinking you're being being clever when you really know it's just kind of old hat. Um, obviously, they 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 use a lot of genre fiction, right? But if you don't have experience writing it, um, and, and like that ghost story for me, they didn't really do enough to, to, to really utilize the scares. The person with the baby head I found laughable, not scary. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I haven't really found anything scary that, that much aside from the racism parts, you know? Well, there's so. the racism parts, which are, which are legitimately scary. Uh, you, you know, not to short sell those, but I think because those are more real for good reason, um, I think that also makes it easier to make those parts scary. Um, 
I, the only time I found the fantasy elements frightening, I think, for me, the um, uh, was was that ending to the first episode where you know I where I found that fairly intense. But yeah, you know, the rest of it, it's kind of eh, it's it's okay. So we'll see. Um, we will see. Sure, sure. Um, all right. So uh, do we want to talk about the the action adventure? Under the museum in the alternate reality as well, or, or wormhole, or whatever you want to call it. Because, um, I mean, that's basically the main plot, besides the you know the, the side stuff that we just mentioned with, with Ruby and William, and, and then uh, Christina going about things and whatnot. Uh, the main story is uh, the adventure part, I guess, the, the search. Um, who wants to start? How, how do we want to go about this? Well, I was going to bring up one point of it. They sure travel a lot. <laughs> I mean, pretty far distances to me. Like they want all a the lot way of doubling back. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of ease, like coincidence that, Oh, well, I know the, the security guard or I know, you know, so, so they, they have some conveniences and as a result, they do quick things. And uh, I know, you know, Game of Thrones, the last couple of seasons, they did that too, where, you know, whole armies would suddenly just appear on the other side of the continent uh, in the next scene. And they just got rid of the, the, the travel parts. And, and I guess here they're just trying to get into the main story. So whether or not it's just coincidence that the security guard knows them and so that he can let them in and whether or not they are in Boston in a, in a moment's notice from Chicago, which is probably... Uh, it's a good journey. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> I can tell you that um, much. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. but they've, they've already kind of told that story because they've already been to Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that we needed another travelogue of, oh, let's go there and bump into some more racists along the no, way. No, it just seems more... It doesn't seem as likely for people to travel that much in that time period to me. That's well, I don't think they're, but these are not normal circumstances or normal people. Um, right. And, and right. also, also, just, also, just to let you know, I mean, these people, most of these people involved in this story, um, okay, for example, uh, the, the aunt, Atticus, the father, uh, Montrose, they are all people who have traveled long distances to research for their book. Right. Okay, also, so we don't we don't know to traveling long distances in a car. Also, we don't know. That. No, no, we all understand that, Kevin. I, I think what Barrett means is, with a snap of a the finger, they're they're somewhere else. And I'm guessing, oh, Barrett, yeah. is that they just if they put timestamps like they did in last episode, where day six, day seven, day eight, maybe it would be a little better because then we would have known. Okay, this is two days later, and they're now in Boston. I don't know, because, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies where they're talking about, okay, yeah, we're going to, you know, take this trip, and then, like, five minutes later, they're there. Right. Let's go you to know, Vegas, and you cut, and they're in Vegas. You didn't see them backing the bags, you right, know, right. getting in the taxi, going to the airport, getting on the plane, you know, and all that. Right. It, it's, it, you know, it's, um, I, I, and we just have to take it as, uh, as a given that nothing particularly worth watching happened in that time. Right. I guess exactly. I just don't um, like the way that's being portrayed. I just have a problem with it. I don't know why. Right. But. I mean, for example, I've read in some books, uh, well, I mean, even some of the Lord of the Rings books, I mean, a lot of 
a lot of, so, you know, it takes up a lot of time of them just traveling. Now, granted, adventures happen as they travel, but I mean, I, I've read some sci-fi fantasy books where sometimes it's like they, they'll spend an entire tra- chapter of the party just walking or just traveling, and they kind of use that time to, to, to chat or to kind of get some background or whatever, but a lot of times it's just them. I mean, right. like I said, in Lord of the Rings, there is a lot of traveling time in there because, you, you know, one does not just walk into Mordor. I mean... You know, they they had they have a, quite a ways to travel to get there. Well, what, let's let's move on. We we get the idea yeah. that yeah. it may be a little confusing for some viewers that they're just in Boston with a snap of the finger. But again, I think like Mike said, the first episode they did that traveling that Kevin is mentioning, where yes. we learn backstories of of characters and we understand that there's racists out there and and that they have a a uh, threat that isn't supernatural as well as the supernatural. Um, so you're right. They, we, I think we all understood what happened. It's just that some people may have been a little confused how, how quickly it happened, but you know, that's noted. Um, uh, so let's go on to the next stuff. Um, and discuss, uh, the Boston stuff in itself. We kind of talked about the, you know, the Leticia and the tree thing. I did have one issue where everybody just jumps in the car to go. Um, it, it, I mean, I guess maybe this is, this has been a little more of a comedic episode with some of these little things like that. But um, obviously I, the question is, is, is I, I guess I had a little issue with like the introduction of trees, just suddenly joining them. And all yeah, that things. felt weird. Yeah, a little, a little weird. I thought well, a little not weird. Not only that, but I mean, I, I, other apart from the scene with him and Letitia talking about them having sex in high school, it's like, what's the point of him even being there? Um, well, yeah, there must, be, there must be some sort of development that's coming that that we got to figure out. Um, and, and, see, I don't remember. Did they leave him behind? Well, he, yeah, because he, he, he wasn't in the car with them was when she that, was that, that's back she, with the daughter. I don't if he was sleeping in the back seat or not. Well, they didn't no, really show happened, him. No, what happened was is that when he got on, he said, hey, I heard you're going here. He said, it's a lot cheaper to travel from. Oh, right, right, right. Know, uh, to travel, travel to uh, Philly from Boston than it is to, from Chicago. So in other words. He wanted to go to Philly, so pretty much what he did was he just hitched a ride to Boston, uh, so it, it was just cheaper for him to go to, to Philly. Yeah, and that, that is sort of a weird. Then why point. did he hang with them in the in the museum? That because he weird. was interested. Because he's like, hey, they got dinosaurs here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if I was going, if I was going with some people, that's like I I really wasn't on a set schedule, and it's and they pretty much said, hey, you know, we're going to go into this you know, this museum with a whole bunch of interesting stuff, I'd be like, hey, sure. I, if you don't mind me tagging along, you know, I'd like to come because, I mean, sure, I'd like to see dinosaur bones or I'd like to see, you know, ancient or I mean, of course, I'm kind of a geek that way. But, you know, I'd like to see that sort of thing. Yeah, so, I was kind of disappointed we didn't get to see the dinosaur bones. Yeah, yeah, they just saw like a stuffed mas- uh, mastodon and that was about it. 
a model of a mastodon or either that or was a skeleton of a mastodon i don't know it was a, no it was, i think it was it was a fully fleshed out model oh, okay it was uh, a model of a mastodon but model still. or uh, yeah whatever it was yeah so, um yeah I, it's yeah, yeah his was a weird part i and beyond the fact that it's <laughs> i completely forgot about him <laughs> outside, outside of in terms of his getting in the car um, I mean, yes, they may, maybe it's a plot point in the future about the, uh, the luxury leg room they have inside a Woody to transport 900 people at one time. Um, but if that's the case, it's a really weird way to go about it. I have to think something will come of this or it is really just weird writing or maybe, you know, or was this just sort of like God, an in joke or not? Oh yeah. People do that all the time back in my neighborhood. Okay, but it just feels really weird if it's not connected to the main story. Well, that was my point. This is why, what was the point? Apart from his little uh, conversation with Letitia, there's really no reason for him to be, like, there's no point. Well... Two things. One, it's episode four. There's six more episodes, so oh, yeah. so it may be answered there. On the other hand, uh, if you have watched The Sopranos, there's the Russian in the Pine Barrens that people that was like in season three that got away from from a, from being whacked, and people spent the, the the next three seasons waiting for that plot thread to resurface, and it never did. Um. He just disappeared in the Pine Barrens and never came back for revenge. <clears throat> His body never turned up. No, nothing. Um, so unless this is going to cross over to that episode, I, I have no idea. You know, they, they could very well just completely drop the ball here. But uh, unless, I think unless that's it thing. was to, to make us know that Letitia was lying and she isn't a virgin. But he could have done that without it being on the car trip. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind you know, of I did point. like a little joke though about Tree, right? Because everybody thinks he's tr he's called Tree because he's wicked tall. In reality, it's because of something else, and and that, that was kind of <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. But the thing, actually, I mean, I like how they <laughs> they started by they found the room. You know, they, they found the room. You know, they found the room where they think the the tunnel would open. And I like the fact that the father sit there, looks around, says, everybody turn off your, your flashlights. And, oh, lo and behold, there's kind of a, you know, all of a sudden, you know, moonlight bouncing off everything and showing that, oh, this is where the button is to, to you know, to, to open the door, which, I mean, I have to admit, there's part of me that's nitpicking. It says, look, the moon does not, you know, is not in that one spot every single evening. So... You know, and at that bright. So how it, it's just remarkable coincidence that they happened to be there on that day, on that evening. It was clear and all that sort of thing. But that's that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, well, and you can contrast that with an obvious classic of the genre, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark, where is a massive plot point about calculating the, the the size and position of the staff you need to put. Right. Uh, yeah, the the raw medallion. Um, so the, the sorry the what was the raw medallion? It was the staff of raw. The staff of uh, raw. 
with the medallion. Uh, with the medallion, and and you know because because uh, they're digging in the wrong place, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that went by really fast. This kind of goes back to the puzzle from last week of the pictures, um, where they they solve the puzzles. They seem to race through solving the puzzles. Where I'm not sure if they understand that part of the 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 entertainment of the audience is watching them solve the puzzles in a story like that. Right. Right. But then they they go yeah. in and then they find, you know, they find the chasm. And I have to confess that the one part where the the Montrose is tying that rope to Letitia's waist, and he says, "Look, you know," he talks about this knot. This knot was handed down by my father from his father and his father because my great-great-grandfather was a slave. And if, you know, if he didn't get, you know, and if the horses got loose, then, you know, he'd get a whip, you know, he'd get a lashing and all that sort of thing. And when Juneteenth came, he did not have one lash on him. And so she goes out and Atticus looks at and goes, the free one were never slaves. He says, hey, got her to move, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's like okay, that I have to admit, I like I got to chuckle out of that one. Got to start walking, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to talk about the pendulum one. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the special effects were were somewhat unfortunate there, but I think the thing that really was unfortunate, besides how superheroic the character suddenly became when you know just. Um, a couple of weeks earlier, they're just regular people. Um, the was what Mike mentioned, which is how Monstros solved the puzzle that quickly when some of the excitement about the puzzle is what the audience, or, or at least Mike and, and myself, wanted to see. And of course, well, they, I wonder they, if he really... knew, he already knew the answer. Some part of me wonders from reading the book. Well, we, we see that page of the book, it's the one page we see, right. Right. Um, Adam names Eve fucks, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, God creates monsters. God create monsters, right? So, but, and then they're trying to keep that now. But at least in that scene, I don't mind because we know he got the cheat code earlier on in the episode, and we and if you were paying attention, you saw that. Yeah. And they're trying to build tension because, um, they they they're the was it the. Is it a bridge? The board? The whatever it is is collapsing. Yeah. It's disintegrating. It's disintegrating. So um, maybe they don't want to take the time out to focus on all those symbols. Um, but again, he had to cheat, so I don't mind that they that that one they kind of flew through. Though yes, I would have preferred you know if we had gotten a good shot of each of the symbols and tried to figure out the puzzle ourselves first. Um, I'm not saying they have to spend an inordinate amount of time. Just slow it down enough for us to process everything as it happens. And, you know, we don't have to get ahead of the characters. And generally what you want is the characters there to be ahead of the audience, right? For us to see everything the character sees and be trying to figure it out. And then when the character solves it before us, we go, oh, right. All right. Boy, they're smart because they solved it before I did. Or at least that's how I tend to, like, what those things were you know when when the answer is like just staring you in the face and the characters take too long to figure it out then they just seem stupid or it seems like they're that the show is writing down to you here it's like they're not even really concerned with the puzzles themselves because they're like ah, you know we're going to solve them let's just solve them and move along 
Right, right. That and that, I think that was one of the big flaws of, the, of this episode, Mike. Um, the, the exciting part of puzzles in movies or TV shows is watch or even books for that matter. Uh, Robin Cook is, is a good example of that, where people are trying to just figure out and put together the puzzle pieces, and and um, they, they turn these more into action set pieces, um, trying to copy stuff like Anna Jones or the, the Goonies. The, the Goonies. The Goonies. Uh, 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 what, what's the one with that? The guy that Ron Perlman played, the, the demon where, where he ripped off his horns. Hellboy? Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah. Hellboy. You know, various other things that have done it much, much better where they not only do the action part, but they do the, the deciphering part, too. And uh, here, um, they didn't do that. And again, They've well, they been doing that a lot in, in this show, right, where they have only an hour and they, they compact a lot in an hour when it, you know, it may be because it's episodical rather than, you know, having uh, storylines carry over to the next episode. And as a result, some things that could help the show are lost, like Mike's point here with the deciphering. I don't know. Um, all right, what what part do we want to talk about next, about some of these things? Let's talk about the Chicago, the basement, uh, and, and also the big chasm, right? Because that makes makes this like, okay, this is definitely science, not, well, fantasy or, or whatever. And also the, the, the basement in Chicago. What, uh, what, do you, what, what do you guys have to say about those two scenes? Basement in Chicago. I mean that they made it all the way back to the basement. Oh yeah, okay. Well, right. So they get yeah. below the basement, you know, because I mean, at one point they see this dead body float by, and she says, "I think that's one of the neighbors that was mit that went missing a couple of days last week," you know. And then, but the funny part is, is that nobody mentions. Wait a minute, we're in Boston. How the heck did we get all the way over to Chicago? Yeah, they don't seem very surprised. They, they don't they don't mention that when they see the elevator. It's almost like they instantly knew, oh, yeah, that that's the elevator. It's, no one says, wait a minute. Is this the elevator to my house? How did we get here? You know, well, in fairness to them, they've seen monsters, magic users, ghosts um, that board the plank hovering. In midair, there's no way that once that thing started to dissolve, right? You know, it's, or it starts it, it disconnected from the edge of the cliff. The whole thing should just fallen over completely. So, I think at this point, maybe they've just bought into the magic, bought into that they're no longer in a logical universe by the yeah. by the natural rules. I mean, I, I um, that it just it just like no one even mentions. Wait a minute, we're in Boston now. Right. Well, she does say, right. She says, oh, I think that's my, uh, that's one of my neighbors who disappeared. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my first thought then was how did the neighbor get into Boston? And that seemed like it would have been a more logical phrase is like, well, how did his, his, mind well, how, was, how did she here? recognize him? <laughs> well, that's another thing. Well, and, and then, and then they could have had done something like, say, um, 
you know, well, and then the elevator comes down and then they go, oh, wait a minute. There were just some realization, show us some realization on their faces that they know that they're back in Chicago. Right. Um, because that, that was a weird thing. And they do, they do mention it in the, uh, in the car on the, you know, when they're riding back. And that was something I was really curious to see that they show uh, Hippolyta and D uh, riding back. And I'm like, are they going to address the fact that they just left the three people behind or, and, and sure enough yeah. to say, I don't know how the hell they got, got back to Chicago already. So I was at least glad to see that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. That was a little weird that they don't even address it. Right. I mean, did, I mean, wait a minute. Did Hippolyta even say that they, they got back to Chicago? Yes. Okay. All right, good. Because I, I, I must have missed that point because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, they just left three people in, like you were saying, they just left three people in Boston, you know, and you, we all know that that wasn't, they didn't mean to stay there. They were just going to only be there for, you know, for a couple, for a day or two. Right. 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 So, uh, the character, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the point of her identifying a, a corpse that was should have been bloated and, and that was generally not mentioned much prior to or at all to us, the audience, um, you know, was, was I guess, an unfortunate way to let us know that, okay, oh, we understand we're back in Chicago. Um, well, but, I don't know. The corpse has only been dead for like two days. Yeah. But being yeah. in the water, I don't know. I don't, we don't know how long it was in the water, but I, I, I yeah. got the sense that it wasn't that long. But no, I don't think so either. Um, because I think it sounds like they started everything's like the tide because they were talking about the tide that the tide started to rise when they got in when they entered it. It was almost like I wouldn't say a booby trap, but something like that where. Oh, there are invaders. Are you know? There's there's invaders in this territory. You know, you only have you know two hours before oh, everything. Oh, when they open the door. Yeah. Right, because it's the uh, again I, a little bit more the the logic of this uh, system would have been nice, you know. But it was either the, the 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 walking across the bridge or going through the door that transported them to Chicago would be my guess. Because right, we know the water is coming from Boston. Right. Was there something in the like when they when they got the map out of the actual exhibit, and they were in the tunnel? Was there something? I'm trying to remember now. Was there something in that in that map, or we, like while they're talking about it, did they mention something about a portal while they were in that room? I don't or, remember. No? I don't remember either. Because now that I think about it, I'm wondering if they, they might have mentioned it. Um, but it was just so, I, I don't know, it was just so non-memorable that, you know, obviously I don't remember if they did. All right. Um, all right, any, anything else we want to discuss up until the 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 penis? Did we miss anything? <laughs> that, that that we no, that's we, it. Uh, I don't think so. Because I mean, it was yeah. obvious that you know that that tick got the ring, 
because when they took the hand out or the, the, the severed arm, you know, there was a rent, there was the, 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 the new dawn or whatever, or the ring on it, the yes. ring on yeah. it. And so tick must've taken, in it because he didn't have his he didn't have one himself so he must well, I wasn't sure if he took it off the hand or if he took it out of his pocket because he didn't get one back in episode two yeah he might have but the problem was is that we don't see it right until well, again those so little little things to, right I mean does that mean he took it took it off and you know took it off the dead hand and, and put it on himself and you know or did he just happen to have it in his pocket? You know, and he reached in and all that. And, uh, I mean, I really don't know. But then, you know, next thing you know, you have the, the ladder. And then you have something that's kind of like a Goonies scene. Yeah, you with know, the pirate with, ship. With, uh, yeah, exactly. With all the, the corpses uh, around a table. Yep. You know, and then they they see one one corpse, like, with, with the scroll that they're looking for. And then the scroll kind of comes back to life. And then we see... A, a a definite like this is what a she male is I suppose because it looked like this person had both had both genitalia had well both that's a, that's a hermaphrodite that's actually a hermaphrodite not not a she male yeah well no hermaphrodite is well. Our hermaphrodite yeah. has both functioning male female. Well, there's 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 pseudo hermaphrodites and true hermaphrodites. Um, humans usually aren't true hermaphrodites because the if they have both parts, they're not working because right. typically the parts that are used from a developing embryo, the parts that make the male parts and the parts that make the female parts come from the same part of the embryo. And you know, so I always kind of compare it to when you get the the Lego box and you look at the Lego box and says you can make a plane or you can make a car. You can make one or you can make the other. You can't make both at the same parts at the same time. And when you try to do that, you get something that doesn't quite work either way. Um, so what I saw, like, I didn't see testicles. No, but what, what the thing is, is that I saw male genitalia off to the side, which made me wonder if, it, if, if this person had both. And the thing is, I feel like I, I should call her she just not just because obviously it looked like there were, this is with, it was an actress portraying right. this character. So, I mean, if I call her, she, it's only because the actress, you know, not, not, right. you know, anything else, but then, and I wasn't about to rewind it and take a look at it again. No, you just download the stills later. It's fine. Um, uh, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, and, and it was weird. Like it does fit the, the, minor theme in the episode right it might tie back to you know the the montrose's ambiguous sexuality that was alluded to earlier in the episode but nothing really comes of that um we don't and again i'm trying not to to prejudge because we don't know where the story's going and unfortunately the character doesn't hang around long enough for us to get anywhere um uh, well so far right um why was it necessary to the story that the character had, you know, was both male and female? And you and you said this is a character that's not in the book, or is it the male and female part that's not in the book? No, the character is not in the book. I mean, it's. I mean, I am definitely past this portion of. I mean, I'm not finished with the book yet, but I'm definitely past this portion of the book and. 
there is barely anything in this episode that was actually in the book. Okay, so I'm curious to see how, you know, what was in the book then. Okay, uh, let's see if I could do this long story medium, if not short. Um, okay, in the book, the uh, the son, the the uh, not 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 Atticus, but the the blondes, the the one that's actually the daughter now. Um, yeah, Christina. Christina, yeah, but I mean the 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 son equivalent, essentially sent Atticus saying you uh you got to get the scroll and atticus is like no but the thing is they had something of theirs to trade something that was very important to their family so they said okay fine you get you know you get us this book and i'll give you back you know your book so they said okay fine and so what they did was they went and this i don't think they went to boston they didn't have to i mean they they were just uh, they might have still been in Chicago. I don't remember exactly where it was, but it wasn't a museum. And they did have a security guard who was a friend of theirs. And what they did was is that they had it was Atticus, Montrose, George, because remember, George did not die. And a right. member of the Freemason Lodge, a fellow member of the Freemason Lodge that that George and Montrose are a part of. And so there was a chasm, but the, the scroll was in this bubble in the middle um, that if you went into the bubble, you kind of floated in midair. And like the problem was, yeah, but the thing is, is that, yeah, like gravity had no, there was no gravity there. But the problem was, is that if you, if you went in there, you could not control where you went. So essentially there was a corpse in there probably because it starved to death. Uh, because it couldn't get out. So that's why, so they tied the rope to their friend because I think he was lighter or something like that. And he went in and managed to get the trunk that was in this bubble. He, they got it, opened up the casket, you know, got the scroll or got the pages from the book that they wanted. And then they got out and there was, it was, his name is Caleb, actually, Caleb, um, I forgot the last name right off the top of my head, but Caleb was out there, the, the son, and pretty much said, okay, you are, um, okay, thank you for getting the book for us. Here's yours back and all that. And they, you know, essentially what they were trying to do is they were, they kind of knew that, they, um, that Atticus and all them, they're, they're going to try to pull a fast one on him because they wanted to keep the, the book for themselves. But uh, the, the Caleb guy was kind of one step ahead of him. Uh, that's that's what happened there. There was no no water, no floating corpses, no you know father son. You know, have the music. So while she yells at you, have that music in your head, and then when you're done, um, you know, when she's done, the music should you know the song should be over. You know, none of this fatherly advice type of thing. Uh, Letitia was no is was not in this was not in the chasm or anything like that, and um and also the one who there was no there was no seduction that I can tell, but um it wasn't William that picked up Ruby. It was the son. It was Caleb Braithwaite. It was the yeah Caleb Braithwaite. 
was the one who picked up uh, Ruby and um, you know and so so and yeah he does have in the book Caleb has things for Ruby to do but Ruby goes along with it because she doesn't see really how it's any harm to her or anybody else so there is no okay. there is no by gender person there is no backstory about the the old Braith, Braithwaite explorer um you know finding somebody from a you know from a far off distant land and portray you know saying i'll bring you back to your people and ends up killing all of the people and pretty much putting her in there as well and all that sort of thing i mean that that's not in the book all right So it seems like that basically the, the idea is just to get to the scroll. And they just yeah. took that and fleshed it out and brought the other characters into it. Right. Well, and he right. still may use Ruby in the future. Oh, they're going to use, I mean, it I, if, if it's if it's anything like the book, they will use Ruby. Because um, in the book, they are using Ruby. Interesting. And the thing is, now in the book, I'm actually getting interested. Okay. More interesting now, than the show. Now, what what did Monstros know, and, and his killing of the uh, spirit ghost termaphrodite, whatever um, the the yeah, because a he and she combo ghost or something I think it's called she or she said and again I'll, I'll say she's similar to you Kevin because it's an actress that plays the the role um, Montros uh, does something pretty horrific and and the question is how is he going to dispose of the body and clean up the mess of murdering this ghost or whatever it is at this point it seems like it's not a ghost anymore it's actually an entity that exists would that be and i say it because again we don't we don't know what it is it's not human um it's well, yeah it has that weird power when it's screaming at one point yeah yeah that's right they have to knock her out it. knock it out to make it yeah, yeah. right he turned it said he turned her into a siren right oh, yeah. yeah that's right yeah yeah and i, I don't know why she was doing that, whether she was doing it to hurt them or, or it was just... Well, they said, I mean, they, they found out, I can't remember how, but they found out that once she leaves that that room or whatever she was in, they said she becomes a... Somebody Somebody figured out, I can't remember how, but somebody figured out that once she leaves that, that room or that area, she becomes a siren. And that's it. That that's okay. all. I, and I don't remember how. I mean, I didn't. I I only watched this episode once this time around. So so did what? Why did Montrose kill her then? Because he knows that as a siren. She's we don't evil, know. Or was, well, is the he thing being, is that yeah. Well, what, I'm asking background your, your on him to know. I, I understand well, all that, but what's your opinion? So let's hear what Kevin has well, to say. My my opinion is is that Montrose killed her for the same reason why he he burnt the book at the beginning. Now, what that reason is, I really don't know. I mean, part of me is thinking that he doesn't want to get Tick and the rest of them involved. I really don't know, um, because this is not in the book at all. 
Um, so maybe he kills her for, well, my, okay. First of all, I believe Montrose kills the, the bi gendered person for the same reason he burned the book. Now, why, why that is, what's his purpose behind that? I don't know. I feel Uh, like he could be a Trojan horse. Yeah. I mean, he could be, he could be like, I, I just want to protect my family, which I don't know. I mean, it was interesting that before this, he and Tick had this father's, this awkward... He's covering up secrets, maybe, right? Awkward father-son moment where he's, like, saying something that you never hear, expect him to hear. It's like, you were, you were a good man in there. I'm really proud of you, which is not something you ever hear Montrose really say to Tick. And you have this awkward moment where it's like, are they going to... Hu- I mean, I half expected them to shake hands. You know, but they did nothing. And, you know, Tick just says, I'll just go to bed. And then he goes in, then Montrose goes in and slits the throat, uh, the, 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 the bi-gendered person's throat. So I don't know why. Well, they do have a closer moment when they're in the tunnels and he Tick puts his hand on his shoulder and yeah, they kind of have a, an, almost an understanding there. Right. Right. But the thing is, is that, like I said, so is Montrose trying to protect... Or, like you said, is Montrose got some sort of thing of his own, or is he being controlled? Right. My first blush, my first guess, right, first blush, I would think he's basically just trying to protect his son and keep them from getting involved with these people and going any further down the rabbit hole, because it's not going to end well. Um it, it almost got him killed. It got George killed. Got Ruby killed and back. Uh, not Ruby. Uh, Letty killed and come back. Um, this is don't get involved with these these crazy people. They're bad news, and it it, it will not end well. Um, that that is my thought. Um, I'm not married that, to it. Right. See, that's not true, that, but I could be wrong. And that is mostly coming from if we did not have the scene of him destroying the book early on, where he seemed upset and distraught, um, I would be op- I would be more open to more sinister motives, although I'm still very open to them. But he seemed genuinely upset over the idea of of the whole book and everything related to it and, you know, cutting off a lead, a significant lead, something that a, a tool that would be very useful to tick in his quest. Um, yeah, I think uh, to me, that just felt like it was more of a, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going any further. And let's also remember he has been, he has been chasing this down apparently for a while. He has been doing some homework. Right. So we don't necessarily know everything he's been through and everything he's seen and done. So again, it could very well be, he's just trying to protect son or it could very well be I'm projecting based on my own relationship with my father who would, you know, could very much be overprotective. Sure. Sure. What about, uh, what about a secret, a dark secret? Because again, we had that scene with George and Montrose talking about who 
Tick really is and who everybody is. And the question is that I have, I guess, is is Montrose doing it because he's trying to protect Tick and I guess Leticia uh, just by extension, or is it a deep dark secret that he doesn't want? I think it's a deep, dark secret, or he could be a Trojan horse. I think that we still haven't gotten a good enough explanation for why they had him trapped aside from getting ticked there. I mean, I don't know. It it just, (laughs) there's a lot to his backstory I really want to know. Right, right. Uh, What about you, Kevin? Do you you think it's uh, a deep, dark secret, or do you think it's more, as, as Mike mentioned, which is, um, he's trying to protect. Well, like I said, I I think he's trying to protect. Um, maybe he's maybe he's discovered a deep dark secret or something like that, and he's just trying to protect. And, you know, because I mean, remember this deep dark secret just got George killed. So, um, I think yeah. he's trying to protect everybody else from. You know, getting involved, and he he might actually have some ideas of what this group's goals are, and he's just I I don't want I don't want it I don't want anybody to aid and abide them, you know. And so I mean, if he has a crucial piece of what they want, but and I think killing the woman, sorry, killing the the bi-gendered person. who is able to read that and if they can teach, cause they wanted to teach her English. So if they could teach her English and then she could look at it and say what it is in English, then, uh, then, then, then Atticus and the rest of them might have this power where he's like, I don't want anybody to have this power. I don't want anybody. I don't want, you know, I want this power to die. You know? So why doesn't he, well, why doesn't he burn the scroll? I don't know, but I mean, and but killing the 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 one person who can translate it makes the scrolls almost useless. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing I did notice on a little lighter note is um, at first I was looking at Monstros, the actor that plays him, and then the actor that plays Tick, and I was like, I can't believe Monstros could be the father of Tick. They looked, you know, because they don't look that old, you know, whatever. So I looked up the ages, and Tick, the actor that plays Tick is 30, and the actor that plays Montrose is 53. So it is actually possible, which means we're all old. Yes, because, we are. <laughs> yeah, because, because, you know, I could see myself hanging out with someone that's Tick's age, as I could see myself hanging out with someone that's Montrose's age. And so well, the first sign is when you can't tell what age anybody is. Yeah. You're old. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like you're in the middle of the ages there, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So I thought that was kind of funny because uh, I had to look it up. I go, this, this doesn't make sense. Is this another one of those? The guy's only like 10 years older than, than his father, his son, you know, the actor's playing someone who's only 10 years uh, and then, of course, it no, no, it's legit. Twenty-three years difference between the two actors. Uh, so yeah. Um, what, what's that? I said it does make you feel old, doesn't it? I remember I was in a class at a local community college where 
I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh yeah, you know, everybody here is probably about, you know, in their twenties and all that. And I don't feel that old. And then I sit down with them and I'm listening to them and just that their immaturity. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm older than these people. I'm more mature than these people. Thank God. Uh, so I'm thinking to myself, well, come on. You, I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't impressed by them. And just that the, the lack of maturity, I'm thinking to myself, really, what, was I that bad at that age? Oh, boy. Yes, probably. Yes, you just something didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And that's, that's kind of a realization for me that I really don't want to come to. But, yeah, I was probably that much of a jerk at that age, too. Yeah, I, I appreciate the the... the the wisdom and perspective age has given me, I, I would kind of like to have the energy and, and enthusiasm back. Oh yeah, yeah me too. Um, Especially as a runner. Yeah. But like I mentioned this on, on, I think the dark discussions podcast, you know, we just hired a new teacher. She's 25 years old, which means she was born the year I started teaching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's Oh like, yeah. No. Well, I, I'm working with people that they're like, oh yeah, you know, his, you know, they just got some of them just got out of college, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I'm kind of running through the math, and I'm thinking, I am technically old enough to be their father. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, oh, yuck. Now, uh, let me ask you this, uh, guys. Um, what was uh, the? Oh, actually, what the heck was I wanted to ask? Um, <laughs> Yeah, another sign of old age. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, it was related to that, though. It was related to all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just can't remember. That's that's a shame. Old age, I forgot. Um, what what about um, uh, other scenes uh, in in the film? Any, anything, or or I should say, the show? Uh, any anything uh, of note? That anybody wanted to bring up that we missed? I think we. I think we hit it all, right? We we touched on everybody. Yeah. Well, oh, you know what? There's um. I will say that this scene felt out of place and a little preachy, uh, though it, it's not to say it won't come in later. So we do find out, um, what was it that uh, Apollota, I guess had named a star or comet. Yes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. going to come into play, too. I forgot about that. Um, well, it, it, in the book, it's Pluto. In the book, they changed she, it to Pluto, yeah. In the book, she actually, I mean, she she knew that, I mean, she was a amateur astronomer when she was very young because astronomy always just utterly fascinated her. And um, so she became very pretty well versed in astronomy and it got to a point where she uh, she would travel when she would do uh, travels for the guide and other things like that. She would travel to places that actually had observatories and she would try to go in. And one time she actually got in and there was this student there kind of looking at her and she was talking about what what happened was, is that when Pluto was discovered, you know, she was hoping that she would find it because they knew that there was an because of uh, gravitational pulls and that they knew there was another planet out there and they were calling it Planet X. And then they found it. She's like, OK, well, they found it before me. Oh, well. And it's like, well, why don't what are we going to call it? She said, I want to call it Pluto. So she writes in 
you know, with she writes into the because I guess there was a contest about, you know, who, who, who would name it. And then she found out that uh, it was called Pluto. And she's like, yes. And then she found out that the person who named it was somebody from England whose father helped her send a telegram um, that got there like almost immediately. And she's like, you know, by the time they got that, my, my letter wasn't even out of the Chicago office. In Chicago post office. And so she was, as a young girl, she was really upset. And so. Also, uh, yeah, so, so they changed it to Sweden instead of the UK here. Um, and, and it was malicious. It. <laughs> the change. Yeah, here it was completely malicious, uh, being that they wouldn't allow a black girl to name uh, a star. Um, but I, I thought it was odd to, uh, and this always bothers me, these type of things. Uh, the name of the astronomer from Sweden was Studebaker and Studebaker is a German Swiss Dutch name <laughs> and, and they would, they would not be in Sweden. So, I mean, generally any name could be anywhere, but the chance right. to find an Italian name or a, or a German name in Sweden is, is fairly, fairly rare. So I think that may have been sloppy and they should have probably used a, a Swiss, a Swedish or, name rather than, or, or maybe it really was a real person. Well, like I said, though, I looked it up. It, it does not exist. It, it's there. There is no comet that was named by a Studebaker named uh, Harry's chariot. So I, I looked it up. I, I Googled everywhere. I was there for like a half hour last night searching it, believe it or not, uh, because I was, I was I go, is this real? Did they really screw some young uh, black girl? <laughs> and then I go, well, it's not even existent. And then I go, and then, of course, my onomastic studying of the name, that isn't even a Swedish name. So, yeah, it doesn't exist, Mike. Yeah, okay. So There, that... there, there is a, a comment name here, but, but it's not this one. Yeah, I mean, I know, um, like, it wouldn't work with Pluto. I mean, I, I read a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson about Pluto, I'm sure. If there was a story about some little black girl getting the name stolen from her, he would be very receptive to it, uh, given who he is. Um, but he does talk a bit about the the contest for the naming. Um, and he makes a point that Americans probably would never have named Pluto Pluto because at the time there was a, a laxative that was very popular in the United States that was called Pluto water. You know. <laughs> uh, so it's now, I, Mike, you know, did you say did you say that the, the if a black girl had had asked won the contest would he have been in favor of it? You said. Oh, I'm sure. I am yeah. sure. If you know Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is an African American astrophysicist, I'm sure if there was that story up there in the black community that that was actually yeah, sure. you know where the name came from, I'm sure he would have yeah, mentioned yeah. that in the book. Um, yeah, okay. And 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 I'm curious. I, I'm going to have to listen to the podcast for this episode because I'm curious where that story came from. And and because there's a long enough history of terrible shit white people have done to black people in this country that you don't need to make shit up, right? right. Now, now, obviously, you want to you have a fictional character, and so you can't uh, you don't you don't want this fictional character getting credit for a thing that was done by a real human being and stealing their story. So you just kind of borrow it and fictionalize it. So I am curious what was the basis for this story. And since it did not appear in the book and the book used something else completely and something, by the way, you know, there are only so many Greek and Roman gods. There were only so many left to name the planet after. 
Um, and he was one of the only major ones that didn't have anything named after him. So it makes perfect sense um, that that there probably were many people who came up with the name of, of Pluto. Um, you just happened to get somebody who had an in. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, so I'm just curious if there is a real story behind that. And so I'll have to listen to the podcast and see if they mention that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there there could be. But again, um, the book is it's Pluto here. It's a uh, comet. Harris comet or, or here it's chariot comet. Um, right, but they, they saw it important to put it in there. I mean, they didn't really have to. I mean, we know that D is smart and talented and interested in space stuff. They had already had the scene with Ruby, I think, talking to the father on the phone about the, the two solar systems. So we get an idea that there is a, a history in that part of the family of uh, people with a science and astronomical background. So just in putting that spin on the scene seemed completely unnecessary and I'm curious unless they were specifically well, oh, commenting something. Well they could be commenting on, on general racism, right? I mean I mean because it it is in the book, it's just that it's not as malicious and the show seems to have added things like, you know, they added the cross burning in Chicago that wasn't in the book. So so the the writers, the showrunners, whoever it is, um wants to point general racism out so it may be that right i mean well, it's, well i know i'm saying but it's a specific instance of race or example of racism that i'm curious to see what the inspiration for this that story is you know we all understand cross burning is common was common enough that we don't have to look for a specific instance of a cross being burned we all get the reference as soon as we see it you know we all get the reference when they talk yeah. about On black death. people being chased out of town or being chased out of the diner we don't need a specific example of that we're not being uh, or not being allowed to uh, move into a white neighborhood, even though they do, uh, you know, mention the the, the, the Turnbull projects. Um, you know, those are things. This is, seems like a weirdly specific thing to mention and then to distort and change from the book because the book wasn't a racist thing. It was just a bad timing thing. You know, so why would they take that and turn around? I don't want to spend any more time. So I'm just curious to find the origin of it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's it's a, a good question. Um, I, 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 yeah, right, right. I think it was obviously invented by the writer for the show. Why they they changed it to this comment rather than Pluto, I don't know. Except they, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And they made it Sweden instead of the UK. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's a good question, though, Mike. Yeah, maybe maybe they they reference it in the the podcast. Um, also, I, I, I do remember what I wanted to ask Kevin. Uh, I wanted to ask him about the the, the four-line poem or whatever it is where they use derogatory words on Eve and, and Adam and stuff. Um, what, what was your, your thought on that? I wasn't, uh, well, for, that also wasn't in the book. Um, I mean, that was a kind of – that looked like it was in the book – or, sorry, that looked like it was in the show – so that we had a reference for Montrose being able to solve the code. Um, but the thing is, is that when I first saw this, yes, obviously it caught my, you know, caught my attention. 
but also I'm remembering, but also I remember though that this is a cult um, that is distorting. Well, they're 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 distorting the biblical view. They're trying to, you know, as I said, when they make their own Eden, and they said, you know, they want the the you know they they're making their own Eden. They want the power of creation and all that. So even though they say they don't want to be God making their own Eden without God makes them in a sense, a kind of God. So, um, yeah. So when I saw the, the, the beginnings of this, I just, I wasn't surprised just because you're talking about an occultic society. And so an occultic society will twist things around, twist biblical passages around or, um, rewrite parts of biblical passages i mean that's some groups will do that no i mean obviously i'm not happy with it but i mean that's that's just what happens sure sure yeah yeah i I mean obviously they they could have uh had a different uh message that they had to decipher to break a code but they i guess they decided to follow the story plot from episode two, right? With that, the cult of Adam or cult of Eve or whatever. Well, the the new, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that that makes sense because it's all from the same, uh, organization. It's all from the same. Yeah. It's all from the same organization. And, um, so yeah. Why wouldn't they do that? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else that we wanted to bring up that that we missed, or scenes or specifics that we want to talk about? What, what do you guys think of the giant cavern? Uh, what, how do you explain that? Obviously, it's supernatural, right? Related. I mean, if if they had fallen, you know. Uh, well, they probably would have died. But um, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that the the uh, the bi-gendered person reminded me a little bit uh, of a short story that uh, Dark Discussions co-host Christy Peterson Schoonover wrote uh, called Snake in the Grass. And if she's okay. listening, I just, want to, I just want her to know that, hey, that, that scene reminded me of one of Christy, Christy's short stories. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, all right, yeah, so uh, I guess the, yeah, the cavern was just a magical cavern, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I mean, what, 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 writing. right, right. Well, well, the, the, I mean, uh, you know, the pendulum, all that stuff, uh, uh, who created all that stuff? What was that just there or, or, or did they, I, I don't remember really. It was explanation. the, uh, Titus. I think it was, his name is Titus. The, the old kind of like the, Oh, Bra- Brathwhite, you mean? Braithwaite, the, the founding yeah, Braithwaite. Braithwaite member. Cause I mean, he's the one who. Well, I mean, okay, he's the one that tricked that bi-gendered oh. person. Um, yep. I'm sure he used his magic, because obviously there was magic involved with the, the plank and all that sort of thing. And um, so I'm, I, I mean, I just kind of found it funny, though, that, you know, Titus Braithwaite started it, but, I mean, somehow it ended up, and Winthrop's house was it the the Winthrop house? 
So, because I mean, I know that that Titus Braithwaite and Winthrop, the guy who owns the house that Letty that Letty owns and lives in, um, they were connected. They were partners in a way, you know, partners in crime, so to speak, until there was a breaking off. So that that whole thing could have been, you know, contrived before Braithwaite and Winthrop parted ways. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. And what did you guys think of uh, George's wife uh, turning the car around and his daughter figuring out that there's some sort of place near Cape Ann, Massachusetts, that was on the map that was circled? Uh, what, do, what do you think her stories? What, what's going to happen with her story now that she and her young daughter are heading back um, to Massachusetts? To Nothing good. <laughs> no, they're heading to Artem. She wants to find answers. And right. Well, I don't know if they're going to Artem. They're going to a town on the coast near Cape Ann. Artem was closer to Worcester. Well, I thought, County. Were, I thought that they were looking at the map that you know that that George used, and they I thought they even had the town Artem circled. So I thought she saw that and says, "I'm going to Artem, and I'm going to find out," because she throughout the yeah, for the last few episodes, saying something was like, especially you know, um, well, actually, last episode, she said something was weird about the body. I thought they she was looking east of Artem, though. There no. was another yeah, circle, like Danford or something. I thought. It yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Danvers Mass where it was really circled around over there, which is an actual I, I town. I think she's going to investigate something that's going to get her into even deeper trouble. That that's that's yeah. That yeah, that's she, she is. Right. That it's that she's going to investigate what got her husband really killed, what really yeah. happened, and and that that will not go well. Right. right, and we'll find out whether it is Artem or some other town um, on the, closer to the coast, as what I, I and I think you you noticed, Barrett. Uh, but either way, Mike sums it up. It's like no matter what town it is, it's somewhere in Massachusetts, and it ain't good. Where because it's in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's right. Yeah, my original home state. Um, all right. Anything else that we want to bring up or anything? No, that's it. Yeah, same here. I guess. Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right. Sounds good. So uh, next week, uh, uh, I got some information on next week's episode here, and uh, that will be called "Strange Case." And this one is uh, actually co-written by three people, Misha Green, and then she's joined by Jonathan Kidd and Sonia Winton, who I'm not familiar with them. And it's directed by a new person, uh, Cheryl Dunyer, uh, who's a Liberian-American film director, um, is what they say. And um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm not familiar with this person. Um, but it says here, uh, as a Liberian-American film director, producer, screenwriter, editor, and actress, Dunye's work often concerns themes of race, sexuality, and gender, particularly issues relating to black lesbians. Um, and she's done TV, a lot of TV, but not, I, I'm not familiar with any of these shows, believe it or not. I, I'm really not sure. What uh, are the names of the shows? Uh, the Village, David Makes Man, All Rise, The Chi or The Chai, Love Is, Claws, The Fosters, Queen Sugar, 
black is blue, the owls, my baby's daddy, stranger inside, the watermelon woman. Oh, I mean, yeah. it could all be stuff for like the, uh, God, I can't Indies. remember what the name of the channel is. Um, yeah, one of those uh, Indies channels. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, O-W-N is one of the stations. That's Oprah Winfrey Network. Okay. As, uh, a, as a man, I don't watch that. I'm not allowed. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so it could be stuff like that. I'm not really sure. Um, some of these stuff is, is new. Some of them didn't last long. Uh, you know, you know, series that were on ABC or CBS that didn't make it, I guess. Uh, but either way, uh, she has a pretty big uh, Wikipedia page here, so she, she must be someone of importance to um, to somebody. Uh, yeah, somebody. Yeah, Hollywood somewhere. Anyway, um, we'll we'll discuss all that next week. Um, I didn't see the trailer. Anybody see the trailer for? Uh, the name of it is called Strange Case, by the way. Anybody see I the trailer? I, I saw it, and it was confusing. Okay. Interesting. Does it look hairy or? I saw it, and it was confusing. Fair enough. <laughs> I just, try, just try to enjoy what's coming, Phil. Yeah. Yeah, stop, stop okay. worry, thinking it's going to be horror. Hoping it's you know, be maybe, maybe Eric's, uh, maybe Eric, you know, host Eric Webster on Dark Discussion has the, the right idea even on, uh, on t- television show trailers. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Okay, well, yeah, he's not a fan of trailers, Eric. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not either, really. But I'm willing to watch. The whole thing, the whole so. thing with him is, is that he just, uh, I mean, the whole thing with this, this, the trail, the, the, the preview for the next show. There's more Ruby in it, uh, or at least Ruby is focused, and that's all I could really get out of it. The rest of it just seemed confusing. Like, for example, when I saw the trailer for this show that we just watched, it's like, all right, they are in a chasm. They're in an underground. They're they're trying to cross a chasm. They're trying to find something. And that, you know, wasn't specific on what and all, all that sort of thing. But it gave you a general idea of what to expect that, you know, Letty, Atticus and Montrose are going on an adventure yeah that's but that's kind of like saying in the next episode of scooby-doo the gang investigates a mystery well yeah but i mean there is be well let's just say this when we saw the previews for the haunted house episode okay they were going to we know that they were going to be in a haunted house right okay you know in this one you know they we know that they were going to be in a cavern looking for something, you know, next, you know, for, for this one, I, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, if it's anything like, I know what's the only reason why I have an idea of what might happen is because I, because of the book. And I'm, and considering this episode, I'm not, I don't know how, how close they're going to follow the book and it might be something completely off. Gotcha. All right, sounds fair, sounds fair. Um, all right, let's do a, a quick uh, final thoughts on this episode. What's that view, Barrett? Um, again, I, I thought it was fairly solid. 
Um, episode, the acting is good in, in every episode that I like the acting. Um, the writing was a little better, I think, in this episode than the two before it. Um, I'd say it's probably my second favorite episode so far. Um, I have no idea where the show is going, uh, but we're it's going to be an interesting ride. All right, very good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, it was a stretch episode, uh, that, that term I'm just making up, which is it's basically uh, uh, moving the story along, uh, I felt. Um, the action sequences really weren't that suspenseful, but uh, generally it was an uh, interesting show. Uh, probably, like Barrett said, maybe the, the second best episode of the four that we've seen. Um, and yeah, yeah so uh, uh, that's my thoughts. Uh, Mike? Um, yeah, I like the episode. I would, uh, I think it was Barrett who said it's his second favorite so far, um, you know, out of four. Um, I think it moved. It held my interest. Yeah, there's small gripes here and there, but they weren't really, uh, for me, major plot point issues. Um, it was stuff that you can, uh, you know, you, you can kind of roll with, I, or at least I could. Um, I'm curious where they're going with some of these storylines. Like I said, my biggest thing is that I just like that we are really bringing in the entire cast. I said that back, I think, at the first episode that we had this whole uh, group of characters in this community we were introduced to, and then they were all kind of left behind, and I'm hoping we still more more of them. And so we are seeing, we are seeing more of them. We are seeing more of them getting involved. Uh, who knows what's even going to happen with Tree? Maybe he will get involved. Maybe we'll get more involved with Sammy. Who knows? Um, I, I So I'm looking forward to where this is going. And that's probably the main thing it needed to do. All right. Kevin. Um, I mean, it wasn't a terrible, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of even on this, on this, on the show. It's, it's like, I don't, I don't really, really like it. I don't hate it either. Um, and this episode was, was, was interesting. I, you know, it was kind of nice to, kind of fun for the solving the puzzles and all that sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it, one, one little point, I think there was a, there was a brief scene with the, the, the daughter Braithwaite with a local sheriff or something or what the, the significance of that is, but I have a feeling we'll find out later. I have a feeling that this is kind of one of those, episodes that might be a bridge or a start of interesting plot direction if if that makes sense in other words what happened today what you know what happened in this episode uh, some of it was a well that's interesting what wait a minute what's going on but i have a feeling that future episodes will be falling back on some of the some of the points made on this episode uh and then things will make a little bit more sense all right very good all right so uh next week uh we'll be back with a new episode of our podcast uh find us at darkdiscussions.com and you can uh, subscribe wherever podcasts are found or listen right from the website uh once again the name of this podcast is a travel guide to lovecraft country the podcast uh, following uh, the HBO Lovecraft Country TV shows. And with all that stated, Mike, why don't I do this up? Uh, thank you once again for listening to Travel Guides to Lovecraft Country. Uh, if you'd like, you can uh, 
go rate us on, on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Google Play or any other place where your uh, podcast can be found. Uh, and other than that, why don't you uh, tune in next week and we will be discussing the next episode. Oh, Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? On that day, I run to the rock.